If you have your Bibles, guys, let's go to um, uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter number six, a familiar passage of scripture. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number one down through verse number four. Uh, This is uh, we're going to talk about a true father today. Okay, a true father. Uh, How many, you know, you can impregnate a woman and never be a father? I need y'all to talk back to me. This is a this is a call and response message. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. Just because you drop seed across town does not mean that you are a father. Are y'all listening to me today? The concept of fatherhood is wrapped up in God Himself, our heavenly Father. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be a true father and try to unpack some things to help us to understand that concept and and to help us understand that the role of the father uh, in the life of the family is crucially important. The scripture text says this in Ephesians chapter number six, verse one through four. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Next verse says what? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Okay, I'm I'm going to add with a promise attached to it. All right. He says, says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. The first commandment with promise is talking to the children of this world. And it says, children, children, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise that will be well with you. And you will live a long life on this earth. Verse number four is where we're going to stop. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Are y'all with me? Let's read it again out loud and on purpose. Everybody just read. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Guys, give me about 45 minutes on the clock, and I promise you I'll finish in 45 minutes. Glory to God. Now, guys, as as Apostle Paul writes this scripture text here, Paul is doing what he customarily does when he writes his letters to the various churches that he, he ministered and shared to. He wrote this epistle here to the saints who were in Ephesus. It was about A.D. 61 when he wrote it. And Ephesus was a a, a very metropolitan city. It was characterized by luxurious homes. It was was a leading commercial and trade center of the ancient world at that time. And and it was understandably one of the most, more prominent cities in the province of Asia. And Ephesus was well known for its it's temple of the Roman goddess Diana, a building that was considered one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. And the city was just, just it, it was brimming with, with paganism, false idol worship. It was teeming with a whole lot of stuff that, that was not God honoring, but in the middle of that, a God planted a church. And how many of y'all know God, God, God has people everywhere? And, and he planted this church there uh, in Ephesus. 
And so during this third missionary journey there, Paul spent three years at Ephesus building up the church. You can see that in Acts 19 chapter. And when he left, he left a young associate by the name of Timothy to, uh, to pastor the church and to establish the church in sound doctrine. Paul, was, Paul later wrote uh, this, this letter here that we're reading from while in prison in Rome. Okay, And he intended this, this letter to be a, a letter that was circulated to the various churches in that, in that region of Asia Minor. Now, you'll, you'll notice, again, Paul, when he writes, he writes and tells you what to believe first, Mr. O. He tells you what to believe because it's important for us to have sound biblical doctrine, to have sound biblically-based theology. Can I get a witness? So he writes in the first parts of his letters, and he did it in Ephesians, he did it in Colossians, uh, he, did, he did it in First, first and Second Thessalonians. He writes and tells you what you need to believe. You'd be surprised. Well, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. It's, 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 it's staggering the level of biblical ignorance that is being portrayed by a lot of believers who are, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced who are born again believers who are saved and accept Christ as the Lord and Savior, but have failed to enroll in the journey of discipleship to learn, to grow, to become more like our rabbi, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, so, so when we don't have growth in discipleship, then we don't really know what we believe. If you don't really know what you believe, then you can be easily led astray by false doctrine. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, what is happening in our world today because of the cultural nuances and influences and because everybody's got their own right now. Everybody's, everybody's truth is their truth. And it's, it's, it's crazy because whenever you move away from the standard of truth, then everybody begins to establish their own truth for what marriage looks like. Hello, you can't tell me. I, this is what I believe. I, I'm loving whoever I want to love. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. God is very specific. And even as I told you all this before, if I never argued uh, the, 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 the merits of, of marriage being defined as a man and a woman, uh, on the theological basis, I could always argue on a biological basis. Because biologically speaking, uh, a, a man's ana, 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 let me make sure I say this right, anatomical parts, that's a big fancy word for your body parts. A man's anatomical parts were never designed to interface with another man's anatomical parts. That's biologically speaking. You can't, you can't, you cannot argue against that because that's the way God designed a woman's anatomical parts. Were never designed to receive the the anatomical parts from another woman. I don't even have to be a Christian to argue it biologically. So, so, but, but whenever you decide to have your own truth, you throw away what's really fact. And guys, in this world that we're living in now, the, you know, it is crazy the lying that's going on. And when people know that lying, especially in the political, not every politician, but, but a good majority of them will lie. I have politicians for friends, but I'm going to tell you. Some of the stuff that's going on now is absolutely scary. And to see the church being swept up into this foolishness, it's time for God to start judging. God is going to judge the church. And what's really true is going to be made known in these last and evil days that we're living in. Okay, So the true church is going to rise up. 
But lest I get sidetracked and don't finish my lesson today. (laughs) Truth is established based on God's word. And whenever you remove yourselves from the foundation of truth, then you have everybody giving you their own truth, giving you alternative facts. Baby, let me tell you something. There ain't no alternative facts. A fact is a fact is a fact. Truth, the truth, is based on the word of God. And that's what we're going to stand on. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm going to stand on, okay? All right? So, so, so Paul writes here. Let me get back. Paul writes, and he gives them doctrinal uh, 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 foundation to what you believe. And then in the last part of the letter, he begins to deal with them about how to apply the doctrine into their everyday life. It's amazing to me that people will argue over doctrinal truths, but then even the doctrinal truth they're arguing over, they won't even apply to their own lives. It's Guys, we learn this stuff not just to know it and argue about it. We learn it to apply it into our everyday lives. And so what God's looking for people who are going to be like what James says, uh, you know, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So as we look at this thing, so Paul is now getting into where I, the meat of our lesson is. Uh, he begins to, uh, uh, to, to deal with something that I want to share with you, a true father. Because in, 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 in the first three chapters of this book, he doesn't give any commands, but in in this last three, chapters four through six, there were over 30 commands, okay? Over 30 commands here. And he began to talk about how we, uh, in, in view of uh, the doctrinal truths that he's given this church here, he begins to tell them that we got to walk in unity. You see that in, in, we got to walk in unity. We got to walk in holiness. Again, let me say this, and I want to say it without fear or trepidation, without any remorse, without any regret. God wants to use the church to show the world how to walk in unity. But the world will not see how to walk in unity if the church is in disunity. I need y'all to, are y'all tracking with me today? Are you with me today, Nancy Hamilton? I see you, girl. Okay. Uh, uh, God, God, God wants us, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the living, breathing example of how all can come together as one in, in perfect unity and harmony. We come together on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So, so, so he's talking about how to walk in unity. He's talking about how to, uh, how to walk in holiness, how to, to walk in love, how to walk in the light, how to walk in wisdom, and how to walk in victory. And Paul begins to, to demonstrate that as he shares. And now, guys, when we look at our text here, we talked about the fourth, the fourth verse I want us to hone in on. Verse number four. Let's hone in on real quickly verse number four. Watch what the text says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. It's interesting to me that he didn't give this command to mothers. It's interesting to me that he gave it to the father. Because fathers, we, pray, we, 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 we play a prominent role in the nurturing and the upbringing of our children. As a matter of fact, he, t- he says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, when we talk about a true father, we did the study uh, authentic manhood, and we still got some other phases of it to go through. But one of, what do we think, one of the things that we learned was that it takes a real man to be a father. 
I said it takes a real man. Everybody say real man. And what we learned in authentic manhood is that a real man is one who rejects passivity. In other words, uh, he rejects passivity. He accepts responsibility. He leads courageously and he invests in things that are eternal. The, the first Adam, the first Adam, guys, y- 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 y'all know that, that the first Adam was in the Garden of Eden, right? And how many of y'all know from studying your Bible and coming up in Sunday school that the second Adam is who? Jesus Christ. The first Adam is the one in the Garden of Eden, but Jesus is known as the second Adam. And the first Adam and the second Adam embodied the differences in what a real man is and a person who's just pretending to be a man. And ladies out there who, how many, how many single ladies we had out there? Single ladies, single ladies. How many single ladies, single ladies? Raise your hand, single ladies. I'm a single lady. <laughs> Come on, Yvonne. I was waiting on you, baby. <laughs> Single ladies, listen, if, if, you, if you are, and this, guys, let me say this right quick. There's nothing in the world wrong with being single. I love my singles because I've told you before, the Bible even says this about you. He's, the Bible says you're even more equipped and positioned to serve Jesus Christ than married folk are. Because you ain't got to worry about checking in with nobody. <laughs> Hello? Now, now, I see all you married guys and come on, I ain't got to check with nobody. Yeah, you do. Don't, don't give me that. I'll come in when I want to come in. If you do, your marriage is very unhealthy. But when you're single, you can give all of your time and effort to serving Jesus Christ. So, man, you know, listen, while you're in your singleness, I'm not saying you want to say that always, but don't, 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 be, don't let anybody look down on you because you're single. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, I would that all of y'all were like me. In other words, there was debate whether or not he was widowed or whether or not his wife left him when he came to follow Christ, but what we do know is Paul didn't have a wife at the time he was writing these letters. And Paul said, I wish, wish y'all were like I am. And he says, but I, I know some of you brothers don't have the gift. The gift of celibacy, because if you're single, you can't be running around sleeping with everybody. Oh, it's good to have my golden vessels back with me today. My golden vessels are awesome. And they, they are awesome. And you talking about somebody to support their pastor? Man, I'm going to tell you, don't you talk about Pastor Doyle Adams to my, to, to my golden vessels. They'll go to battle for Pastor Adams. Amen. I, and I, I love my singing. Isn't it great that, that we are at a stage in this COVID stuff that we can gather and have our seniors here in a safe man? I, I am super excited. And I, listen, I appreciate EBC the way we handle this whole COVID thing and not being judgmental and, and looking down on folks and, 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 and doing it in a safe, effective way. Because it was never about a political statement. It was about a health issue. And whenever a church allows itself to be used, I'm going to say it that way, to be used by a politician, politician will just use you to get their, their means done. They don't really care about what's really happening in the church. So the church has to stay with the word rather than going through. Y'all can, can y'all tell I'm passionate about that? Because I don't want anything to take me off of God's word. All right, let me keep moving. So the first Adam and the second Adam embodied the difference in what a real man is and a person pretending to be a real man. Uh, the first Adam fell into passivity. The second Adam, Jesus, rejected passivity. The first Adam disregarded his responsibilities. But the second Adam 
accepted his responsibility. The first Adam abandoned his post of leadership. The second Adam chose to lead courageously. The first Adam chose to invest in that which was carnal, but the second Adam expected a great reward, and he invested in that which was eternal. Go to Genesis, the third chapter, right quick, and I want you to notice something right quick. Because a father, if you're going to be a real man, you got you 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 to reject passivity. You got to accept responsibility. You got to lead courageously. You got to invest eternally. You got to stop. Listen to me carefully. Fathers, I, I, I don't, even if you live with a, a maybe a, 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 a spouse that tends to like to take charge. I'm looking for my towel because I'm sweating. Okay. All right. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Uh, uh, if, if you live with a spouse who, 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 can I put this way, strong-willed. <laughs> I got one amen back there. Somebody said, I'm living with one that's strong-willed. Now, listen. I, fathers, we have a responsibility to lead courageously. That don't mean domineering. That doesn't mean everything I say goes. It just means that we got to be courageous enough that when God gives us a directive, he gives us a, a, a command. He gives us a, 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 a principle of his word or he lead, he's leading you in a way. Now, you got to be praying now because you got you to you be a true leader. A true leader is one who, who actually gets before God. A true father is one who understands the principle of fatherhood and they understand how to, to move with God, okay? So, uh, but, but, but when we look at this thing, you got to learn how to lead courageously. That means that there are going to be some times when, when, actu- when in actuality you and your wife may not agree. But are you willing to lead the family? Now, here's what I've learned. The Bible says this. Uh, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. God said, I'm going to give a helper that's suitable for him. And so if God says it's not good for us to be alone and he's going to give us a helper who's suitable for us, who compliments us, you would be a fool as a leader not to lean on and depend on and to take advice from your help. Now, see, some of y'all, when y'all first heard that, I heard, I heard in my spirit, there ain't no help. Baby, this is not talking about, this is not talking about uh, you being a doormat, it's, it's talking about the role of that spouse here in learning how to support that, 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 that husband who's trying to be that godly father. Amen? It is critically important that we lead courageously. Now, notice what happens in Genesis, the third chapter. Let's get there back. Get, get there right. Genesis chapter 3. Okay? And we're going we're gonna to begin reading at verse number... Uh, let's go to verse number, number 1. Okay? Verse number 1. And we're going we're to jump through here real quick. I got I to move. All right? talking about a real man because a real man rejects passivity stop being passive father a real man accepts responsibilities don't blame your wife like the first Adam did well you know I would have did that but my wife did well God you know the woman God the woman can we read it how many of y'all guys ever blame your wife for something that you are responsible for. God assigned it to you, but you threw the blame on your wife. Well, we would have been better financially 
Has she not went to the mall and spent all that money? Well, how, what, have y'all ever sat down and talked about budget and what's available to be spent? Or you just go, just make money and just, just go without ever having a, a chance to even decide what's, what's discretionary income to where we can do things with? Or, 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 or you gave in to the fit, the temper tantrum. I'm going to, okay, everybody close your eyes except the men. Everybody, I want everybody to close your eyes except the men, the fathers in this house, the husbands. Now, okay, wives, y'all got your eyes closed. Singles, y'all too, because y'all, y'all, I don't want y'all to tell the wife what you're seeing right there. <laughs> husbands, fathers, has your wife ever thrown a temper tantrum? Just kind of just blank your eyes. Just nod your head. Okay, all right, all right. Everybody, eyes open, eyes open. Okay, I, I got my answer, okay? Don't you go home on, on the way home. I don't want you asking your husband what he said. All right, but see, when a temper tantrum is thrown, are you still willing to stand on what y'all agreed upon and what's right for your family? Guys, it, it's, it's critically important. Look, look at what the text says here in Genesis 3rd chapter. Watch this. Uh, it says, the serpent was the shooters of all the wild animals in the Lord had made, one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did he really say that? Again, guys, I'm here to tell you, the foundation of God's word has been under attack from the very beginning. This is not something new. When you start saying what scripture teaches, there are a lot of people who don't, who don't, who don't first of all, they're not saved. And they're not, you know, the Bible is not going to mean anything to them. Okay, so why do you sit around at the family reunion arguing with people who aren't even saved about doctrinal issues and about things of, of the spirit? They need to get saved first, and then we can reason together out of scripture. So I don't, I don't spend time arguing with people who are either uh, not saved or who are, who are who are babes in Christ and, and, and have not even taken time to study God's word, and they, they, they're giving me philosophy and all this other stuff, Okay. I don't, I, as a matter of fact, the Bible says don't, don't, wait, don't waste time with all these fables and tales and stories and, that people come up with, okay? So save yourself some heartache, all right? Of course you may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, the woman replied. Let's, call, let's go. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die, okay? Text says what? Let's read on. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. He is lying, God said you would die. Serpent says you won't die. What's the truth? I'm going to go with God. Look at neighbor and say, neighbor, you better go with God. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Let's keep going, guys. The woman was convinced. She was convinced. She was convinced by having the conversation. Sometimes, guys, you got to cut off the conversation because the enemy will be talking. He'll be sharing things. He'll be saying things, and he's trying to entice you. He says she, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Now watch this last sentence. This is what I want to get to. Watch this. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. Now while this conversation is going on between Eve and the serpent, where's Adam? Right there operating in passivity because God had given him the command not to eat, but he sits there silent like a lot of men do today, like a lot of fathers sit there silent. 
operating in passivity. That was, you know, I've, I've, until about the last five or six years or so, I've read the scripture over and over again, but it never hit me. And even the KJV says the same thing. Uh, then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that point in time, the first Adam should have stood up and said, no, this is not what God told us. All right. All right. Now, so let, let's go to Matthew, the third chapter. Because to be a real man, you got to, you got, you got to reject passivity. You got to accept responsibility. You got to lead courage. You got to invest eternally. The second Adam does. Matthew, the third chapter. Let's go to right, verse number 13. Matthew 3, verse number 13. The second Adam is who? Jesus Christ. Watch what the text says about Jesus as he begins the journey of his public ministry here on earth. You know, uh, most, most theologians would agree that he, he began his public ministry around the age of 30, guys. All right. So so from 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 his time of birth to around 30 years of age, he is going through a process of growing. The Bible says that he grew in wisdom and in statue. He grew not only physically, but as he was growing up, he grew in wisdom also. Listen, you don't have to be old to be wise. I'll tell you before, I, there's some old fools and there's some young fools. I'm going to say it again. There are old fools and young fools. Choose to not be a fool. A fool despises wisdom and instruction. A fool says there's no need for me to sign up for the next discipleship training class because you know what? I'm good. Oh, pastor, you're going to throw out like that? Yes, I am. Because you know, part of my responsibility is to exhort you and to encourage you, not to embarrass you, not to, not to try to, to, uh, to, to, well, my job is to shepherd you. What does a shepherd do with sheep? He has a hook there, so if the sheep is not in line, he gets, if the sheep begins to wander, he takes the shepherd hook and pull them back in line. So I don't apologize for being pastoral. I, I don't. I love you. As I told you before, 15% of the time, maybe, maybe 10% of the time, at least 10% of the time, you should, you should be a little bit warm with me. You, you, should, you, you should be like, I can't believe he just said that. Putting my business out there. I didn't put your business out there. The Holy Ghost put it out there. So as your pastor, all the way to speak into your life. Because if I'm preaching the Bible, guess what? Your mail, the time for your mail to be delivered will come. Because all of us got some mail that needs to be delivered. Because none of us are perfect. So if God loves you, he's going to... He's going to bring a message from heaven down through me out to you if you if you connected with this church. All right. So just love me. I'm going to still love you. OK, I'm going to know you're mad and say, OK, we're going to be all right. We're going to get there. I love you. I said it because I love you. Amen. See, in America, we've 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 sort of whitewashed what it means to be a believer and a follower of Christ. We made it so individualistic. In other words, it's what I want, what I need. And if, if, if I don't get what I want, well, what I need, or if you say something that, that, that hits my wheelhouse and I feel like you're talking about me, I'll just take my Bible and leave. Let me ask you a question. 
And you don't have to raise your hand, but I know I'm right about it. How many of y'all who've been here for 20 plus years have ever felt like leaving? Ah, there we go, there we go, there we go, there we go. All right, but you're still here. Because I, here's what I'm going to tell you. I won't tell you anything, not knowingly, uh, and if, I, if, I, if I'm incorrect, show me the word of God, and I'll be the first one to correct it. I will not tell you anything that doesn't line up with Scripture. Now, because it lines up with Scripture, doesn't mean it's going to line up with your thoughts. Because your thoughts and my thoughts are not like, not like his thoughts. His thoughts are much higher than ours. I got to keep moving. So, so I'm going to line my thoughts up with his. Then we learn that about renewing the mind. If we're going to, we got to lose our mind and do what? There it is right there. I, I see the t-shirt. Kay's got it on. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Philippians 2 and 5. Therefore, they said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Watch what happens here. The first Adam succumbed to passivity. He was sitting there watching. And let me say something. Wives, support your husband and stop trying to bulldog and run everything. I got two amens on that. I was looking for a little bit more. I told y'all this is a call and response message and I need to hear from you. Husbands, I mean, wives, support your husband and stop trying to buffalo him or manipulate him or control him, if you know what I mean. If I don't get what I want, you won't get what you want. And I know what you want. Now, see, all y'all that laughing, yo, get, get your mind out the gut. Get your mind out the gut. Guys, we're in this thing together. Watch this. Then Jesus, first Adam, first Adam succumbed to passivity. So truth, a real man rejects passivity. Then Jesus went, to, went uh, from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Watch the text. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? I would have said the same thing. No, Jesus. Me baptize you? Are you you got to be kidding me. But Jesus, but Jesus said, watch this. It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Look at what the second Adam says. It must, it should be done, for we must carry out all that who? God requires Jesus when he was on this earth said, I'm not going to do anything except that which my father in heaven has assigned me to do. And we ought to have that same mindset. So John agreed to baptize him. We see the second Adam saying, listen, I, I, the second Adam knew that, that really John was not worthy to baptize him, but he says, suffer it to be so. Because God requires this. He's setting the example, guys. So, so the importance of fathers. Look at the importance of fathers. Guys, you, you've heard these stats before, but I just kind of threw them out here again for you. Modern research has demonstrated the importance of fathers. Statistically, children growing up in homes where the father is absent or he may be present but detached, look at the stats. They're two times more likely to drop out of high school. They're more likely to go to prison. And, and by the way, one in five prison inmates had a father in prison. There's a connection there. More likely to have behavior problems. Now, again, as I go through these, I'm not saying that there's going to be the case in every family. There's a lot of single mothers who did, who've done a yeoman's job of being mother and father. So give yourself a hand, too. Amen? 
I'm not saying this is everybody, but, but as a general rule, here's what happens when there's a, a, a no father in the home or he's there, but he's detached. He's not connected. And there's many of those situations. Oh, he's abusive or whatever. More likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Four times more likely to live in poverty. Seven times more likely to get pregnant as a teen. Two times more likely to suffer from obesity and more likely to face abuse and neglect when there's an absent father. No father in the home or one who's there, but he's detached and not connected. On the contrary, children with involved fathers are more likely to have better grades, better verbal skills, more confidence, and better physical health. Now, but, but recent research indicates that fathers uniquely add value to their children. Present or absent, good or bad, the father relationship is significant in shaping all of us. Listen to me real carefully, and I, I, I capitalize this. None of us, everybody say none. None of us were raised by a perfect father, and this has left all of us, everybody say all of us, wounded to one degree or another. What do you mean wounded, Pastor? Well, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm good. As I used to say, all right, until I started looking and seeing some things in me that, 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 were, that were traced back. In, and I, I love my dad. I don't know if my dad here today or not, uh, but he, he's probably watching. There he is in the back back there. All right. Hello, Paul Adams. Uh, my dad is here today and, and, and has been one of my biggest supporters in everything that I've ever done in my life. You all with me? Uh, he's been my biggest supporter in everything that I've done in my life. And that's, I, I, I remember I, I told you all, um, when I was playing football, it was in a tech. Even we would go to away games um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Charleston, South Carolina. And oftentimes I would look up in the crowd and, and there's Paul Adams. Um, in a lot of cases, he was the only black spot up there <laughs> at those away games. I'm going back, this is back in the 1980s, okay? But, but, but he would be at those, at, at, those, at those games supporting me. And then, as I told y'all before, after the game, I would love him come up. And then he didn't say a whole lot, but, but I love them $20 and $30 handshakes. Hello. And if you got a kid in college, how, how many of y'all, KD, you know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all, how many of y'all been poor college students before? And Griff's Burgers and that cheap stuff. The $1.99 menu. <laughs> but, but he would do that. But, but there were some things in, in our upbringing that caused wounds with me. And I'll share those things. I've shared some of those things with our men group. And I, you know, and I, I say this uh, openly in public because uh, I shared y'all with y'all before that. I remember my dad used to make me come to church and come to Sunday school, but he wouldn't come. Now we live, guys, we live catty corner across the street from the church. You, you leave here today, just go down about three houses on the left, right there where that basketball goal is. That's where I grew up. Right over there. <laughs> Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ran out of the camera. I was going to get ready to open the door and show you up. But right over there. But my dad would say, you're going to church. And I got so resentful because he wouldn't go. Now, his mother brought him up in the church, but then he straight away. But I thank God that he got back in. They ain't perfect. Still, God's still working on it. Amen. But he's in the church. 
trying to grow. Are you with me? But there are some wounds that, have, that, that, that I have to deal with. I mean, what is a wound? Come on, let's go. Gosh, I ain't going to finish today, y'all. Can we talk about daddies next week? Dan, 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 I see you back there. I know you weren't going to finish it. I look at this. Thing. I knew Dan said that. He ain't going to finish it. All right. What is a wound? Because I, I, I need y'all to hear this because some of y'all are suffering from father wounds. Some stuff you hadn't even talked about. With maybe nobody beside the spouse, even maybe not even then. What is a wound? A wound is any unresolved issue where a lack of closure adversely, everybody say adversely. Adverse is the adverb which describes the verb impact. It adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a person's life. Now, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, this stuff, these wounds, a lot of us have carried father wounds for decades. And it impacts you adversely and it it shapes the direction and dynamics of a person's life. Now, there are some of y'all who, who, who are higher achievers now because you're still trying to prove to dad that you were good enough. You were looking for affirmation from your dad that never came. Your dad never came to your, your sporting event or your honors assembly. And maybe he was working. And I'm, I'm not discounting that, those type of things. Some, some people don't have jobs where they can leave. But, I'm, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dad was at home, but he was disconnected, or dad was never at home. Or maybe you don't even know who your dad is. Everybody say father wound. Help me, Holy Ghost. I feel, sometimes when I'm preaching, I feel your wounds. And right now, I feel somebody's wound. I don't know who it is, but I feel your hurt. I feel, I feel that wound that you've been carrying for all these years. It's a father wound. And some of y'all have mother wounds. Uh, but, but, but this is Father's Day. We're dealing with fathers today. I, I feel it, guys, in my spirit right now. And I want you to know that Jesus can help you to overcome any obstacle or wound that you have. Uh, I don't know that that hit me in my spirit real strongly. Somebody is hurting today, 15, 20, 30 years later, because you never addressed, you never got closure, you never talked about it. Any unresolved issue where a lack of closure adversity impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a person's life now. Look at the next verse. Watch, not, not next verse, next point. What is a father wound? It's, a, it's an ongoing emotional, social, or spiritual deficit that's caused by the lack of a healthy relationship. Everybody say healthy relationship. Some of y'all have dads at home that support you and everything, but your relationship with your dad was not healthy. And it's still not healthy. Okay? 
lack of a healthy relationship with dad and now must be overcome by other means. Hallelujah. But look at this, guys. Look, look, look at this. It's, it's important that we realize it. It was caused when there was a lack of a heart connection. Because, again, I'll be honest with you, you know, even though my dad was supporting me in everything I did, there was not that heart connection that a father and son needed. You follow me? And so that's something that still is being worked out and worked through, through me to even today. Can, can, can we be transparent? Because, see, some of us don't ever get the help that we need. Because we don't acknowledge where we are. And, and, and too many of us sit back and we are so concerned about what others think. To the point that we won't allow God into our space there where we're hurting. If you hide it, he can't heal it. But if you uncover it, if you open up, God, open up and let God in there, he'll heal that wound that you got. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who it is, but this, I, I, I'm having trouble letting this part go. And maybe your dad was in church, but still there was stuff going on at home. Because I've been in this thing too long to, to know that people can fake it real good on Sunday morning. And that, you know, you come here and everybody looks, oh, isn't that such a wonderful? I, I remember there was this particular couple I'm thinking about now. Look, look, look the part. Husband, wife, two beautiful kids, and, and on the outside, they look like the all-American family, brick home in the suburbs. And when I got a chance to talk to them, their family was so jacked up and tore up. They're not even together today. But, th- th- there was, but on the outside, it looked like a perfect couple. So I don't, I'm not interested in how you look when you come here on Sunday morning. I'm here to tell you right now. I'm not, I'm not so, you know, thank God for you. You, you, you know, dress up, dress down, whatever, and we're on your best behavior here. But I, listen, I want to know, and God wants, I'm, I'm I say I want to know, I want to get to the heart of the matter so I can help you. And God wants to help all of us too. So quit putting on the airs. I mean, I'm not saying you tell everybody your business, but you have people you need to have in your life who can, who can walk you through some stuff. So, I mean, I've been in this thing long enough to know that what it looks like ain't what it is all the time. All right. So it was it was caused by when there was a lack of heart connection or companionship or substantive direction from dad. Okay. now now it's about how your dad related to you. Now, y'all again, hear me carefully. Some of y'all sit here again, again, maybe never had a relationship with your dad. and You say, well, that didn't bother me. I'm here to tell you there's something missing. And what happens a lot of time is we pack that stuff down. And we, 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 we tell ourselves we're not going to feel. All right? And so we, we, you can go along with you becoming an emotionless person. Don't nothing really bother you. But it's because you, you decide to pack away your emotions because it, 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 the way you cope with it was it's not to feel. Because it's better for you not to feel than to feel the hurt. Okay? All right. So, so what are some common responses to the father wound? I got to move. Anger and pain. There's a reason why, go back to anger and pain. Let's look at these two scriptures again. Ephesians 6 and 4 and Colossians 3 and 20. I give up. I ain't going to finish today. I give up. <laughs> I just, I'm looking at my clock. I give up. Y'all know me. Y- y'all been, Yvonne, you know me. You, you know. You know. You know. Bobby, you know. Tony, you know. Gary, you know. 
Y'all been there for a round. Dan, you know. Dan ain't been long, but Dan knows. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm picking on Dan because the other Sunday, when I, when I, when I, 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 I revised my notes, and he said, he looked at, he looked at that, she said, he ain't going to finish. <laughs> and he was right. I didn't, I didn't quite get finished. So, but, but that's the freedom of being able to come back next week, okay? Is that all right with y'all? It's kind of like a soap opera. <laughs> How many of y'all growing up, you should watch soap operas? Come on. Young and the Restless, God in Light, All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital, Luke and Laura. <laughs> come on, come on, go with me. Come on, go with me. And every time on Friday, when something is getting ready to be discovered and they open the door to go in and discover it, it goes off. I'm like, don't on it. And then on Monday, when they come back on, you expect them to, for them to pick up. At that point, they don't pick up there. They're going to do it later on in the week to keep you connected. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Watch what the text says. There's a reason why Paul said this. Because I'm, I'm going to share something with you. Fathers had a very prominent place in society at this time. Even, you know, Roman fathers, it, it was, you know, uh, fathers could even, at the time that a child was born, they could, they could look at a child and decide whether they're going to keep them or they're going to give them away. And, and sometimes they would give the child away. Y'all with me? So fathers had a very prominent role. But look at what he says here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. And there's something we got to learn, fathers, by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, this I am one who believes in, in biblical discipline. I don't believe in abuse. Hear me carefully. But the Bible is very clear. And, and if and hear me carefully. Because you've been in in an unfortunate scenario doesn't mean that we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You follow me? Discipline is important for our children. They are begging for it. Love is expressed through correct biblical discipline, not abuse. So you can discipline your child without abusing your child. Okay? So let me get that said up front. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So I, I, I thought about this. I said, you know, why, why did he say that? Because there's a tendency from fathers to only look at behavior and never look to the heart of that child. And there are many men, many fathers who have failed to this day to learn how to connect with their children emotionally and spiritually. Okay? And we got to do a better job of that, guys. All right? All of us do. Because if we're not careful, we'll, you, know, you know how it is. You know, we're coming down hard on that child, and then they run to mama. And what does mama do? It's all right, baby. It's going to be all right. I, I'm going to take care of it. You should, we go on. It's going to be okay. Then mom goes in and begins to, to just drive on dad in a lot of cases. All right? And, and fussing him. But guys, let me say this carefully. 
husbands and wives, you guys need to be on the same page when it comes to discipline your children and, and instruction and the things of God. It can't be, Daddy, I'm, I'm the disciplinary, but I don't ever talk about spiritual things with them. I don't ever pray with them. Uh, you, you, you're just the one that comes in and handles the business. Now, no, it's, it's got to be more than that because we need to connect with our children at a deeper level. Okay? And he says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Be a man of God. Be a godly man. Be a real man who pours into their children spiritual truths. Okay? Uh, pour into their lives the things that God has given us his word. So, so, so again, let's go back. What are some common responses? Uh, uh, anger and pain. The Bible shows the connection between a man's anger and his dad. Without a dad, there's a vacuum in a child's life, and part of what fills that vacuum a lot of time is rage. That's, I'm convinced that when you look at what's happening even in Shreveport, a lot of, those, a lot of that killing and stuff that's going on is, is from young men who don't have a dad in their life. Are y'all listening to me today? And, 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 and oftentimes the response is rage. Even if you and the mother are not connected, maybe you got divorced, or maybe you were never married, you still, as a father, need to be engaged and connected in your child's life. Can I say that again? You, as a father, I, I don't care what it takes, you make it a point to be connected in your child's life because you add value to that child. Can I get one amen on that? Now, I'm talking to Christian men today. I'm talking to men who, 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 who love Jesus, but you maybe you disconnected with your child. And don't let anybody come in and drive a wedge in between them. And I know we have all kinds of scenarios, especially when you have adoption, when you have a step, 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 a blended family, so to speak. There's a lot of challenges there, but those are not challenges that cannot be overcome when we, when we remain godly. It takes two, you know, one person can act the fool, but you don't have to go along with them. Be that father that connects with your child. And don't let anybody or anything disconnect you. All right? Now, this, this doesn't mean that you, you, know, you got to speak into your child's life. And this anger and pain is, is coming from, 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 from a lack of connection or, or, or not being, making their heart connection. The, the second response is, and I'll give the third and we're going to stop, and we're going to pick back up on some foundational truths of fatherhood next week, okay? Watch this. The bottling up of feelings. Pretend like you're not affected. You don't bother me. You know, I, I don't need my dad in my life. Well, I don't, well, really, the person that says that is really not being truthful. They're really not. They just, it, it, and maybe they feel that way at that point in time because they've, they've packed it down. They refuse to allow themselves to feel because it hurt too much to feel. All right? But if you start unpacking that, you, go, you, you get some good therapy and counseling, it'll be unpacked, and then you, you'll, you'll see that there's, there's a need for that father to be in that life. But, but typically what will happen is they'll bottle up those feelings, pretend like they're not affected. But you can't, you can't ever really bottle it up, guys, because it's going to express itself somehow. In, 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 in his book, Fatherless Generation, author John Sauer says, fatherlessness creates an appetite in the soul that demands fulfillment. I'm going to read that again. I like that. He says, fatherlessness creates an appetite in the soul that demands fulfillment. It demands fulfillment. Unhealthy ways that this hunger can find its way to the surface in the lives of our children is, is through addictions and obsessions. Addicted and obsessed with stuff. 
it, 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 it can come through drugs, pornography, and excessive alcohol. It can come through a performance-based life. In other words, I'm, do, I'm doing everything. I'm a high achiever. But what I'm really doing is uh, it's not me trying to climb ladder. It's me trying to prove to my daddy that I'm worth something. Do you not know that when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, God the Father, amen, when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him, God the Father said this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm what? Well pleased. God the Father said that about the son. And guys, at the end of your outline, I, 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 and let me just, I'm going to jump, I'm just going to put this up right quick because I, I need y'all to hear this. Three things every child needs to hear from their father. Number one is, I love you. How many dads you know never tell the children they love you? And I hear you say, well, you know what? Dad didn't say it, but I knew he did because he took care of us and he worked hard. He was too tired to say it. You ain't never too tired to say I love you. And maybe you grew up in an era where that was not very commonplace, but look at the example that we have. God the Father said it. So quit excusing it. Maybe you didn't know any better. Maybe dad didn't know any better. But dad, all fathers, look at me right quick. All fathers, if it's uncomfortable for you to say it, you better get comfortable saying it. Because part of your responsibility is to verbally, not just bring home the money, but verbally say, I love you. What's the second thing? I'm proud of you. And what's the third thing I'm going to do? I'm affirming you. I love you. I'm proud of you. And I'm affirming you. In other words, this is the path you chose in life. This is the career you chose. You know, listen, it may not have been the career path that I wanted for you, but guess what? Bless God Almighty, I'm going to support you as you go to be whatever you're going to be, a nurse, whether you're going to be a teacher, whether you're going to be this or whatever. I'm affirming you. God was affirming. God the Father was affirming his son. Now, in my mind, in my little pea brain, I'm thinking, well, why would Jesus, who's God in the human flesh, why would he even need that? Well, God is doing this to show us an example that there's a connection between the father and son. And Jesus said it time and time again. He says, I'm not going to do anything in this earth that I hadn't gotten approved by my father who's in heaven. So I love you. I'm proud of you. And I'm affirming you. Fathers. Tell your children that today. All right? They need to hear that. Now, back to third thing, third and final point, and I'll pick up next week. Are y'all still with me? Because you can be a true father, you gotta be a real man first. You gotta reject passivity. Hello? Are y'all with me? You gotta lead courageously. Can I get a witness? You, 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 you got to accept responsibility. You got to invest in things that are eternal. Okay? A real man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously. We learn that, Gary. We learn that stuff. And we got to invest eternally. Now, my last point here, and I'll pick up on next week. Okay? Will y'all give me that grace? Everybody say, Pastor needs grace. And you do too. Third thing, common response, first common response to, to the father wound is anger and pain. The bottling up of feelings. You, you say, don't unbother me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I can't tell them a time when I talk to men. Man, how you doing? I'm good. Men are always good. 
So they say. How can I say that? Because I was one of those guys. I'm good. Don't about me. I'm cool. But there are things that we deal with that sometimes we need to be able to open up about in order for the wound to be healed. And an inner sense of lostness and incompleteness comes about as a result of that. Incompleteness can be relational, where we never, we never felt accepted or validated by dad. That's where a lot of kids are. Never felt accepted or validated by dad. Maybe you were the, the blended child. Maybe you were the outside child. Maybe you were the child, that, that the middle child. You know, middle, ch- middle children get a bad rap sometimes, don't they? They feel like they caught in the middle. The oldest child was the firstborn. They, ooh, they love me, love me, love me, love me. And the youngest child was the baby, ooh, boo, boo, And then the middle child, okay, you're the middle child. Middle children are a little bit different, aren't they? How many of y'all are middle children? Look at y'all, y'all different. <laughs> I'm not saying all bad, okay, but you know, sometimes you have some challenges there, okay? But, but again, uh, there, there is a um, incompleteness can be relational. We never felt accepted or validated by dad. And incompleteness can be informational. In other words, dad didn't teach us how to balance a checkbook. He didn't teach us how to, how to change a flat on the tire. And didn't teach us how to date properly. Didn't teach us a lot of things about the wisdom things in life. But a true father is one is a, who's a blessing. And we can be those true fathers. I thank God. We got some great men in this church. None of us are perfect. If you, if you look at us hard enough, you're going to see some of our faults. Ask the people who live with us. But we got some good men here. And wives and children, encourage your dad. Encourage your husband. Because God is still working on us. Can we pick up next week? Everybody, everybody, close. Father, we thank you.